This is Vuyo from Vuyo Oya Network. Welcome to the at radio underscore SA. And thank you so much for joining us. Welcoming us into the show and setting the mood is my ogre from the top, Fela Kuti. And the title of the song is Teacher, Don't Teach Me Nonsense. This is a musician and the song that the artist we're featuring this week has chosen as best describe his creative process. And guys, the artist we're featuring this week is... The Michael Soy, a veteran artist known for his politically and cultural charged pieces. Soy, of course, born in Nairobi, Kenya, and he's been working there since 1995 after completion of his fine art and art history studies. He began his career as a sculptor and subsequently refined his own visual and artistic vocabulary over the years. He is inspired by the contemporary life in Nairobi and his work is social commentary. I could never pronounce this correctly. Let's start again. His work is social commentary providing a photographic diary of his country which explores relationships intergenerational interracial or generally what he calls the economics of love commercial sex work and popular culture within the context of globalization and consumerism a hallmark of his art is his unique vision and highly distinct style usually brightly colored paintings with black outlines that are illustrative in nature and are both playful and biting often bravely poking fun at the political establishment and touching on subjects that no one wants to talk about in public it was such an honor when he agreed uh, to have a conversation with us and guys i'm just gonna touch a little bit on the um and some of the uh issues that we're gonna be discussing in our conversation uh it is um his exhibition china loves africa collection an eclectic assortment of 74 bold visual pieces that continue to interrogate china's place in africa as well as his uh, frustration over chinese artists representing kenya at the venice biennale in 20 15 and of course you know because i own two of his tote bags so we're gonna discuss that because amazing enough this was his daughter's vision and guys without further ado in conversation with the michael soy and i'll catch you on the other side enjoy
introduce yourself to the uh, to the listeners. Um, thank you very much for having me. My name is Michael Soy. I am a painter uh, from Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, I've been a painter for the last uh, 24 and a half years. Mm. And, and uh, basically my work revolves around social issues. And uh, when I talk about social issues, I talk about work that revolves around things that affect directly or indirectly the people of first of all Nairobi and Kenya as a whole, and then generally Africa. Social issues, uh, mostly social issues that people do not want to discuss openly, things mm. that make a lot of people very uncomfortable. This is what I have chosen to document, and the reason why I have chosen this subject is because of the fact that uh, a lot of people here who basically operated in the arts have found it uncomfortable or not uh, economic viable adjustments. So for me, it's basically documenting certain moments in my city. What inspired you to study art? Um, I studied the fine art and art history in Nairobi, and mm-hmm. uh, I think basically the thing that led me to become an artist myself was the fact that my father is also an artist. Oh. So basically, I grew up in a house where you know uh, there was an artist in the house who was like busy all the time making paintings and we thought that this was the coolest job in the world. So I mean, um, when we did our primary school exams, uh, I, I was kind of like, you know, like really sure about what I wanted to do when it came to uh, a career path. I had a lot of influence from my dad and uh, yeah, it made it very easy for me to kind of like, you know, just like looking paintings and so this created the perfect situation for them to kind of like now uh, talking about a country like Kenya I mean um, Kenya is a you know uh, is a strange country I'm Kenyan but I mean I <laughs> say that Kenya is a strange country because mm-hmm. later on the politicians here call the shots and mm-hmm. everything involves around them and, you know, so I mean uh, you know uh, there's a lot of things that have happened that have angered Kenyans when it comes to here and the kind of investment that they're doing here and uh, you know also a lot of corruption that is coming with their presence in this part of the world and mm. uh, you know when 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 we get uh, when we start hearing stories about how the international debt for Kenya is literally like uh, 76% of it is owed to one country China wow and you know yeah and and gets to points where people start uh, taking interest in whatever is going on uh, in the country. And uh, for me, I felt like uh, this body of work, China Loves Africa, was just an interrogation of, uh, of what really uh, China's intentions with Africa are. And, uh, you know, um, I am not a politician, I am not a politic. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just documenting moments conversations that I had with people here on what they thought the intentions of China towards Africa are. And, uh, you know, uh, for the longest time it has come across as, like, uh, me being very critical of China and not wanting them to be here. And But, I mean, that is not the case. I am just documenting moments. I am just documenting conversations that I have with people here about what they think. 
And I mean, also the first thing um, that people need to understand about the presence of China in Africa is that um, China did not invade. China was invited, you know. It was invited by our political class. It was invited by our politicians to come and look, see what they could invest, see how we could trade, see, and, and, and China being a businessman, the idea of a businessman waking up in the morning is to go and make money. Mm. You go and make money, make as much as you can, and make deals that basically at the end of it all favor yourself. Mm. You know? Um, China is not a philanthropic whatever. China is a business term, is a business person coming into Africa to make as much money as he can. Mm. It's just that, I mean, it's hard that, I mean, in, in, a, in a lot of instances, you know, the amount of corruption, you know, that is involved in uh, some of the dealings that they are uh, undertaking in Africa has become a concern to a lot of people. So I felt like this is something I wanted to address in my work. Mm. Uh, 2015 with the Venice Biennale, um, it's basically like, uh, you know, uh, Kenya had never had any representation in the Biennale. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, what was happening was... Uh, some gentleman who's Kenyan Italian who lives in the Kenyan coast uh, saw an opportunity for him to make money. Mm. So, what he did is, I mean, China is a big country, it has a lot of artists. So, he felt like, uh, you know, there was a lot of Chinese artists who felt like, uh, you know, uh, showing in the Venice Biennale is, you know, as one of the biggest art events in the world. Mm. It's a big, huge thing. And uh, since they didn't or could not uh, manage to get into the Chinese pavilion, Mm. It felt like, I mean, this gentleman offered them an alternative to that. And mm. this alternative came in this in the, in the, in, 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 in this whole shape of uh, him being able to do a Kenyan pavilion and get, uh, you know, as many Chinese artists as possible into, into this whole thing and then to cover it up to make it Kenyan, he would get a random, uh, one or two random um, token artists from Kenya, artists in quotes, people oh, wow. who are not known to anybody, to kind of like, you know, now present that Kenyanness in the pavilion. And, uh, you know, yeah, people felt like this was wrong and, you know, we needed to kind of like, you know, do something about it and manage to resolve the pavilion out of his hands. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a story that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all in the past now. And then also, um, is it um, is it true that um, your your work was um, was banned from um, exhibiting at the Kenya National Museum? Uh, yes, it was, and uh, you know, it's, wow. uh, to me, to me, it's more of uh, I mean, I want to call it uh, weaponized ignorance. Mm-hmm. The fact that uh, you know, we as Kenyans always pretend to be very good, staunch Christians, uh, mm. very, very conservative. And, mm. and, uh, but I mean, if you look at uh, what happens in all that Christianity, considering the fact that the biggest problem that we have as a country is something called corruption, mm. in a 75% Christian country, Mm-hmm. It's uh, in itself like you know. So the museum was just a situation where we got invited to uh, help celebrate the World Museum Day, and they had a theme. And this uh, theme was basically like you know, 
speaking the unspeakable in uh, in, in museum settings. So it was about you know creating work that revolved around you know some of these issues that would normally not get highlighted in a place like a museum. Of course. And uh, you know uh, when I got invited, I was very skeptical because this was not my first interaction with the Nairobi Museum. And uh, you know I remember talking to the person who was. Um, planning this event and I told them that I mean I really don't want to take part in it because I know what will happen mm. and uh, you know she finally convinced me and I fine okay I went and created work and um, put up uh, the work for exhibition which was rejected because I was told that my work was offensive offensive in the sense that uh, it dealt with uh, things like uh, you know gay issues Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, the fact that uh, the state and the church in Kenya are in bed together. Mm-hmm. We talked about corruption, and these are not things that they wanted to, to discuss because, yeah, you know, we're just supposed to be uh, creators of work that is beautiful. You know, people walk into a room, look at it, and feel very nice. That is not what I do. You mm-hmm. know, that is not my role as an artist. My role as an artist is to talk about you know, uh, are happening in the society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my role in, uh, in this art scene is to like, you know how when people are trying to market their country, they tell you about, you know, if you talk about uh, uh, places like, uh, let's say Cape Town in South Africa, mm-hmm. they will tell you about the Table Mountains, the Heights, and, you know, Robben Island, and blah, 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 all these cruises. And, you know, uh, but, I mean, nobody tells you about uh, the social interesting things that happen downtown in places like Woodstock yeah. or, you know, all mm. over. You understand? Townships, uh, yes. Exactly. Townships. Because it's all about painting this beautiful uh, picture of the place. Exactly. Make, make, it as, make it as attractive as possible. Yes. You know? But me, I have chosen to deal with uh, issues on the ground. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, have, uh, I have had a lot of issues with my work in Naomi because of the fact that, I mean, there's a very big, huge ignorance about the arts here. Mm. There's, a, there's also like, you know, uh, I think also for me, some of the subjects that I have taken interest in, uh, you know, commercial sex work, you know, mm. it's a big, huge thing here. And I, I have done a lot of work around it because of the fact that it's a thriving business in Kenya. And people always kind of like, you know, try to sound or look like, you know, this is not something that, you know, we want to be associated with as a Christian country. Mm. We are good people, we go to church, we do ABCD and, you know, uh, commercial sex working. But, I mean, the reason why I have taken interest in it is the fact that there is so much ignorance, there is so much denial of mm. the existence of this trade in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. And... You know, uh, for me, it's more like trying to kind of like, you know, create sensitization or kind of like uh, give information about this kind of trade. Mm. And then also the most important thing, who's in it, uh, who basically happens to be engaged in it. Because also there's a, a lot of uh, ignorance about, especially among the women, about who engages in commercial sex work. Mm. You know, they will, they will tell you, it's all these guys who have no jobs, who are like, have so much time in their hands that kind of like, you know, make this thing possible. 
But I mean, the thing is that I mean, you can never be so wrong because <coughs> uh, in the last few years in Africa and in a lot of, uh, especially a lot of African cities, commercial sex work has evolved. It has evolved to a point where it is now being sold as a luxury. Mm. You, you know, in terms of uh, all this illegal, illicit trade goes on. So nobody bothers to go into this post neighborhood. So what what is happening in a place like Nairobi is that I mean you have situations where you know you are invited for a, a very exclusive party, mm. which is uh, you know has a cover charge of something like uh, five hundred dollars. You know. Mm. So now the question is, how many people off the street can afford five hundred dollars in Africa? Very, very few. So the question that now remains is, so who is going to these things? Mm. And the answer is all our male relatives, you know, our uncles, our fathers, our sons, you understand? Mm. And I mean, this is what I, I strive to like, kind of like, this is a story that I try to tell, to try and change the narrative. And, you know, I want to tell a certain story about, I am not interested in the women. My work, as much as it has a lot of nudity, does mm. not revolve around the women. It revolves around the men. Those are the people I am interested in because I am trying to tell you that the persons engaging in it are all our male relatives. And, you know, I have had a lot of partners, especially mm. from women, especially from women, who accuse me of creating work that is demeaning to women. It's more like, uh, you know, uh, the portrayal of Africa as a woman. Mm. Is that, I mean, for me, it's more of uh, the woman here in this situation is in. It's one of these situations where you're like, you know, it's not about trying to kind of like, you know, create any kind of uh, conflict with uh, especially the women. Uh, my work never seeks to do that. And, you know, no, what, no, I'm no. Doing this, what I'm doing with this body of work is that I am giving you information about what happens in these places and what goes to these places. Because, you know, you will realize that, I mean, the moment you go there, you will find if you are an African or brought up in Africa. Mm. And, um, and for me, I mean, what I say about my work is that I will not try and complicate your life as an audience to my work. Mm. I try to make it as simple as possible and as understandable as possible. That is one thing I have uh, made a priority because, you know, there's still a lot of people in Africa who like you know having abstract exhibitions and you know very abstract work makes you more sophisticated or makes you better than everybody else to yeah. me my work is about audiences it's about appreciation it's about the ability of anybody who's looking at my work even children to break it down and kind of like you know uh, get what i'm trying to address in that. Do you, uh, you like universalize your work beyond china then to be, to be honest with you, um, I do not work for anybody. That is the most important thing. Um, I do not want, you know, uh, you know, me to get into situations where I will be told that uh, if you want to get into the European or the American circuit, you have to like work on A, B, C, and D. I do not take uh, any kind of like commands from people. I will always do what I want to do. And in the process, you know, if you look at uh, if you look at uh, my work, you know, a lot of it is actually like uh, what a lot of Africans might consider, uh, 
you know, this is not a piece I would want to hang in a place where I am trying to raise children. Understand? Mm. I do not want to have to answer questions about this work, about you know, uh, this kind of topic, and you know, so people will always. And I mean, for me, I mean, I think uh, what I realized as an artist, if you want to tell good stories, if you want to tell stories that you know do not necessarily, uh, you know, are not work that people might consider buying and hanging up in their houses, you know, the most important thing is that you should never work for the market. Work for yourself, and, uh, you know, for you to be able to do that, you also need to kind of, like, you know, everybody understands that an artist has needs. You have rent to pay. You have kids to take to school. Mm. You have bills to pay, you know, and, you know, try and as much as possible to identify an alternative source of income. Then mm. when you do that, trust me, whatever that you do in your studio, you know, that is not influenced with the market, it's just going to take a matter of time and people will basically like, you know, start looking at it with a lot of interest and, you know, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it gives you freedom. It gives you freedom to create what you want to create without having been influenced by the market. And then for me, I mean, as an artist, as an African artist living and working in Africa, I will not uh, bend backwards to accommodate, you know, uh, to accommodate, let's say, an American or European uh, audience. Mm. You know, yeah, you need to. I have, I have. Uh, if I if I have a show in Europe, you know, I will create work. I usually create work for every exhibition that you know, as in opposed to like you know having a body of work that is just like sitting in my studio waiting for. A space to open up somewhere so that I can show my work. I first of all look at the situation of the country that I am being invited to do a show, and then I will create work that uh, is not like you know. Uh, I, I'm not trying to create work that I think will sell in that situation. It is more work that uh, you know. I decide what I, I have. A, uh, I have a show that is going on right now in uh, in Zurich in Switzerland. And uh, the body of work that I took was basically just a body of work that celebrated African women mm. for their beauty, you know, uh, you know, uh, for the art and, you know, the use of patterns to decorate mm. African bodies. And, you understand? Mm. I did not take paintings of, uh, you know, of bar scenes because a lot of people in Switzerland might not have gone to the bars that I go to. Mm. So for me, I feel like this is not a body of work that they would understand, mm. you know? And, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it's that. I I am seeing a lot of young African artists who are, like, struggling a lot to try and work within the rules and regulations that have been set by the West, mm. you know? And uh, what I feel for them is I just feel very sorry for them, you know, because as an African, uh, especially growing up in Africa, Everything around us that yes. is not my, you know, and you know, it's a uh, Africa has a lot of vibrancy. Africa has a lot to offer in terms of the arts, but we've been told that the best museums in Africa, you know, the best galleries in the world are not in Africa. Mm. So we have to strive to kind of like you know create work that that audience or that gallery or that museum likes, so that uh, I can be accepted and. You know, into that whole international, 
that for me is not important. What yes. is important is that I wake up in the morning, I go into my sleep. What is mostly happening is that people don't care about, you know, uh, ad yeah. buyers, what they want. They are reflecting the times. But you know what was uh-huh. most impressing about it? I found out that um, the idea for the bags came from your daughter. Yes. It's, um, it's basically like, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with her uh, in my studio. And, you know, I mean, kids will always try to do what you're doing. And, yes. You know, it gets to a point where it becomes a disturbance. So yes. I'm like, you know, for me to be able to have peace to paint, I will, yeah, I will just let her do it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember once she just, like, picked up a bag and, you know, started uh, doing markings with a French pen on it. And, you know, she drew a face and, you know, looked at it and she wanted to paint the face. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, well, I let her do it and, you know, we, we eventually made a bag and she was very happy she went home with it. So much later, thinking about that whole thing, I was like, you know what, uh, when, whenever you get into a studio or whenever you try to teach a kid something, and then, you know, uh, a few weeks later, you start realizing that uh, you know, I was not teaching this kid anything. If anything, this kid was teaching you a lot. Mm. And this is how this whole idea was born. Mm. I was like, you know, okay, fine, let me make 10 bags. Uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, see what happens. I made 10 bags, and then two months down the line, they were still in my studio, and nobody showed any interest in them. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I was like, uh, you know what, okay, fine back to my paintings and continued with my life and then one day there's a there's a big huge concert that happens in the Golden Arts Center that's where my studio is and you know uh, I remember once there's a, a bunch of girls who walked into my studio and they were like so thrilled to see the bands they were like you know uh, for me I mean I was basically completely disillusioned with the bands at that particular point and I decided you know what since I can't sell them you know what happened so I gave them out. Uh, within a week. Oh, I wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> within a week, uh, people started coming in. Oh, by the way, I saw this bag and like really, really cool. Can I get one too? Mm. So I was like, uh, okay, let me make ten more. So I made ten more, and then I started selling them for a minimum fee. And then uh, two months down the line, I had made thirty. You know, mm. and then now it gets to a point where. Uh, okay, fine. Now the demand is going up. Let me make turn more, and then that's it. As in of yesterday, because that yesterday is the last uh, batch of bags that I made. I have made close to nine thousand eight hundred. Oh my god! Yes, and uh, that is how it basically like just began. Like Lupita? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Lupita was more. Of, um, apparently, she's been looking at my Instagram page, and she saw the bag and was like, you know what? Yeah. Uh, let me get some. So she got two bags, posted the images on social media, and uh, which, uh, which now gave me a very happy problem in the sense that uh, it made me move from making 10 bags in a month into making 10 bags in a day. Mm. You know, to kind of like, you know, just fit that whole demand that was especially coming from, uh, from North America, you know. And, mm. uh, I ended up like you know uh, dedicating like almost one full year just to make the bags to me. So when the demand died down, this is when I went back into my practice. 
But I also felt like I missed out because my work suffered. My work as a painter was suffering because I was spending so much time making the art. Enough to say, I want this. I want a bag out of this, and um, and I have to thank it because um, we, as you know, Africans, mostly can't afford. Um, you know what I mean to buy paintings. We it's a luxury most of us can afford, but. Um, we're lucky enough for her idea because now we can own yes. some of your work. <laughs> exactly. You know? I mean, one thing, maybe probably this is a conversation I will have with her when she's much older, is that that whole idea has basically developed into a situation where I think I literally have bags in every other country in the world, maybe probably except North Korea. You know? Mm. Mm. Which is, uh, yeah, and... Uh, you know, uh, this whole aspect of, uh, of partnerships, you know, people look for partnerships in all their own places, mm. you know. I will do a collaboration with this big, huge, famous artist, you know. What about, you know, uh, that kid, you know, if you, if you want to know, if you want to know how good kids are, just take their drawing books and look at what they do, you know, mm. and try and develop some of those sketches, you know. It's a... Uh, I, 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 I basically would, would, uh, would buy my daughter sketchbooks and just tell her, like, you know, you, you don't have to, like, you know, make or dedicate time to make drawings. Just draw whenever you want. Mm. And uh, I would pick up the book in a month. And, you know, some of the things I found in there were hilarious. And mm. uh, you know what we did? We would make, uh, okay, I would take one of the images and develop it. And we, we, I tell her that you're going to do a line of children t-shirts. Mm. With the drawings that she oh, wow. you know, and yeah, you know, it's a, uh, it, 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 it ends up being a very commercially viable project. But I mean, at the end of it all, uh, my kid is ten years old now, mm. and you know, uh, for me, I do not want to force her to. I am not. Uh, my work is not seeking to create any kind of social change. Mm. What I am doing right now is that I am documenting. I am documenting certain aspects of this life that nobody is talking about. You know, I mm. want, uh, I want, I want maybe probably 40, 50 years from now, mm-hmm. uh, a book uh, that I intend to publish at some point. Mm. Uh, a child sitting in a classroom in a library in a university can like go and research about the development of commercial sex work in Nairobi. They will mm. have a record spot. They will look at this book and kind of like, you know, look at uh, what Nairobi was like back then when this whole thing started. I am, African art is not properly documented. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing I tell a lot of artists here is that you need to document your work. You know, if you go to any art school, any art colleges, a lot of the curriculum that is being studied in our school right now is British. You know, we are being taught about masters from the West, you know. Mm-hmm. Every artist, everybody who goes to art school knows about the Michelangelo's, the Monet's, the Picasso's of this world. Mm-hmm. How many, how many art students in Europe know of people like, let's say, in the South African context, people like uh, uh, K. Hassan, or people like uh, David Kolohani, or people like Padma Outlaw. You understand? Mm. Very few. So, 
the thing is, we should not sit down and wait for the West to come and document our artworks. We need to do it ourselves. guys welcome back <laughs> i'm sure you also enjoy that i can't wait uh, to hear your comments on our social media pages which is at radio underscore sa at radio underscore sa i can't wait i'm really really so excited i can't wait for uh for the visual diary um that michael's book is gonna be about for the next generation because you know at this crucial time in our lives when everything is so desperate you know uh, when everything is a matter of um survival it's very important to have artists like michael who uh who whose duty is to reflect the times so that the next generation will be able to have a reference of his during his period in the on this earth that they will understand their own um what was happening in their own country is very important uh bravo to that and um we know in Africa, our stories are always being told by foreigners. So this is very important. And we're so grateful for that. And guys, you have to go to his website and his social media pages so that you can see his work for yourself. And uh, for Instagram and, um, and Facebook, uh, his handle is Michael Soy Studio. Michael Soy Studio and Soy is S O I. Michael Soy Studio on both uh, Facebook and Instagram. And his website is www.michaelsoystudio.com www.michaelsoystudio.com and of course it's the time of the day that I don't like you know when you're having so much fun and you have to go but before I go I just want to say to you guys uh, that have been supporting us you have no idea you have no idea we really really appreciate you guys you like your fuel you know you're putting fuel in this little little fire of ours thank you so much please give yourself a round of applause and if you're new here darling welcome and thank you for joining us you can follow us on our social media page and our handle is at radio underscore sa at radio underscore sa i know i have to go but uh so um we're gonna be closing with another artist that it's not another artist actually still my ogre from the top fella kuti that michael has also chosen as uh this song uh he's also chosen is his best described his creative process and it is just like that 
So, just like that, Fuyo has left the building. Signing off with Fela Kuti, just like that. Thank you guys. Lots of love. Love you. Thank you.
Cuba, 